This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the FS Tech Podcast. I'm Hannah McGrath, editor of FS Tech, and today we're going to explore the role of automation and analytics in the data center, as well as object storage as the foundation for financial services compliance. Financial sector firms are already struggling to keep up with the ever-changing performance demands of applications, and the current pressure on firms to improve time to market and scale rapidly is only adding to these concerns. Automation of current data center and object storage can complement core banking applications, which can be difficult to migrate to the cloud and enable better monitoring, management and optimization of infrastructure. Although banks are currently awash with unstructured data, only a small percentage of this contains the insights needed to ensure compliance and storage performance. The metadata which object storage enables can allow IT teams to isolate performance bottlenecks and spot compliance issues wherever they may be located in a way that traditional file or block storage can't do. Automation can give banks the rapid provisioning on-premise that they have accustomed to in the cloud, while the introduction of AI-enabled self-healing in the data center can help them scale the systems rapidly without issue. So to help me dive into this topic, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Tom Christensen, Chief Technology Officer for North EMEA at Hitachi Vantara. Thanks so much for joining me, Tom. Thanks for having me here today. So it's increasingly clear that intelligent infrastructure is required to maximize the value of a modern storage system. What does Hitachi Vantara mean by intelligent infrastructure? Yeah, well, Hannah, let me try to explain that one. So the intelligent infrastructure is laying out the foundation for what we call the smart data center. So imagine that you're working in a global bank and you need to spin up a new workload. You basically have different options where you want to run that workload. It could be in public cloud, but it could also be on-prem in your data center. And there is some good reasons for having some of your critical workloads to run in your data center. These critical workloads cannot run in cloud because they need high performance, low latency, and maybe they need uh, higher wearability in a way that you can't find in cloud. But what you need in the on-prem data center is the same kind of agility that you get in cloud where you can spin up things and you can delete things. And I think it's worth talking about how you can create that intelligent infrastructure to give you those capabilities. So imagine, an intelligent infrastructure that can monitor itself, that can do self-healing, and at the same time be able to predict and come up with recommendation about what you should do uh, with the workload that you just created. Such an infrastructure can adapt and optimize the workload that you have in your environment. At the end of the day, it will unlock agility in your organization. We call this concept the brain, the engine, and the amplifier, And it's a concept we've been working on for the last five years. So if you look at the data center, it's basically built up on different layers. You got your application that is hosting your workload running in a virtualization layer, OS, you got server, you got storage and you got network. Each of these components, they are intelligent infrastructure components today that can adapt according to the workload that they are hosting. 
but you really need the brain to correlate all these different components to get the bigger picture of the entire data center to amplify recommendation and to guide you what you should do in the near future with the workload you are hosting or creating. Great, and, and can you give an example of this in financial services? Yes, so if you look at a financial services and you are responsible for the data center, you might have created a kind of a self-service portal saying to line of business, if you want to spin up a new workload because you need it right now, your business is booming, you will go into that self-service portal and you will ask for maybe two, three, four different virtual machines. And the self-service portal will come back and say, we've got 300 servers. I would actually recommend that you choose between these 15 to host your workload you're creating. And once you pick the, the, the server node that you want to host your workload, the storage system might come back and say to you, well, if you want to run that workload on that server node, I know the behavior the last six months. And based on that one, I would not recommend that because on Friday between one and two o'clock, you will basically have a performance issue. So I would recommend that you choose a different node to run your workload. And this is where you get some extra value out of the brain and the amplifier in such an intelligent infrastructure because you're looking at it from a holistic perspective instead of just each of the components you have in your data center. Great, and, and why does Hitachi Vantara argue that automation strategies now require a rethink? What are people getting wrong when thinking about automation today? Well, you know, if, if we look at what we've been doing over the last many years, we can see that scripting is an approach to automate a daily task, which has been a really powerful and efficient way to do it. So let's say I'm a responsible for the story system, and I understand that story system and the language it speaks. When I get a task to do something, I will sit behind my keyboard and I will type in whatever I need to change the behavior of that product. It might take 20 minutes, but I'm an expert, so I know the language, I can do it. What I would like to do, and what I've been doing the last 30 years, is to take all these commands into a script that I can run. So instead of spending 20 minutes, I can bring it down to maybe two minutes. The problem around scripting is it doesn't really scale. If I'm sick and my colleague needs to do my job, and he's not an expert in that product, he can't run that script. He needs to go back and do it manually. So, you know, script is not really scaling. So what we're doing here is we're taking it to the next level where we have a framework, a wizard, where we put all these scripts together in the self-service portal. So when we need to spin up something, you know, an application owner might ask for CPU resources, network resources, storage resources, and he will put all that into the self-service portal and all the script will run automatically. This is where you take it to a holistic approach and you basically begin to be more agile going forward because now you don't look at one product but you look at the entire chain of product that needs to host that workload but it doesn't really stop here because in many global banks they have a first line of support which is basically people being front end into the business unit this is where they talk to the secretary the salesperson the bank account advisor and so on and when they get a phone call, I need more capacity to my bank account system. We really need to help that first line of support to do it automatically. So bringing that wizard up to that person will make it possible for her or him 
to put in the request, touch the button, and it will go down in the data center and each person will be notified on their iPhone saying, is it okay to just increase capacity right now? And you can be eating dinner together with your family and you get that notification and you say, I accept it. And it just go into the system and it happens automatically. And this is actually where you, you, you take the whole thing to a next level by automating the entire process. Fantastic. And, and let's turn to the deployment of artificial intelligence and analytics in the data center. What role do these have? Let's first start with defining AI. For me, AI is not really artificial intelligence that will replace you, Hannah, and me in the near future. There's something that will happen maybe 30 years down the road. For me, AI is what I would call augmented intelligence that guides us to do things much faster. It takes a manual process and it guides us to do it much faster and more correct. You know, machine doesn't make arrows like people do. So AI can be value adding to an IT organization. So if we stop up a minute and we look at the hardware we have in, in the data center, when we buy hardware, it will normally depreciate over three years, which means that, you know, it will be end of life. You might keep it for four or five years. AI is opposite in nature. The more you use AI, the more you train AI, the smarter it will get. And AI is here for the next 10, 20, 30 years down the road and will be value adding for the IT organization. So we simply need to look at the data center from a hardware level and an AI level to understand how we get more value out of AI. And I personally think that we have reached the tipping point where the whole automation and AI are beginning to bring more value than actually just looking at one component. Great. And, and can you talk to me about the difference between domain-centric AI versus domain-agnostic AI? What's the argument for adopting one over the other? Yeah, it's a kind of a concept I normally use when I talk to global banks because AI can be really difficult to handle. You don't have the capability. You might need to hire people to do it. And it's really complex to work with descriptive and prescriptive analytics and how to put all that recommendation into action. But there are actually something where you can get a fast start. So if we start looking at domain-centric AI, if you imagine that a storage infrastructure can change behavior while it's running in production. Let's say that you've got a storage system, and this one is a really smart storage system. You buy one petabyte, which means you can save one petabyte of data on it, but you've got another feature. You can turn it on and you can ask it to do data reduction, which means that suddenly you can actually save four petabyte on the one petabyte you bought because the system can compress and dedupe data. This is a really nice feature. And there might be many other features that that storage system is built with and deliver to you. So you ask the storage system to do it. Everything is working fine. You start putting workloads on it and you get the performance and the low latency and all that stuff. Two years down the road, suddenly you get a burst coming down to the storage system and it, you're putting the storage system in a situation where all the resources inside the system is actually being used. If that system understands itself, it can actually say, I want to stop online data compression and put it in like a post job, free up resources, allocate it to my workload to make sure that I get the performance I need. Once that is over, 
I will just change it from a post job into an online job again. So when we look at all these components that you're buying, you really need to look at it from other than just the speed, feed, and, and function you get. You also need to look at the AI that comes with that product because that's value adding to the organization going forward. And there's many examples of that root cause analytic and stuff like that that can come up with recommendation to you. So that's an easy low hanging fruit to activate. And you should really start looking at that one. The domain agnostic AI, we already spoke about that one. That's the brain and the amplifier, looking at all these different components you have, correlating that and come up with recommendation. Don't run it on this virtual uh, node, actually run it somewhere else because it, it's more clever. You don't go into performance bottleneck on Friday between one and two o'clock and so on. Great, and, and let's talk about AI ops now. Um, when and how should organizations adopt intelligent infrastructure and AI ops to make infrastructure more efficient? This sometimes, you know, is about the maturity level you are on. When should you actually embark on this journey here? So if we stop up a minute and we look at IDC and Gartner Group, they have done some research in the bank sector and they basically came back and they said, you know, um, and that this one is from Gartner Group, that by 2025, more than 90% of all enterprise bank will have an, uh, an automation architect. This is up from 20% today, which is telling us that it's only 20% of global banks or just big banks, enterprise banks, that are actually having an automation architect. And this is where you should start. You should start having that automation architect, looking at script, put it into a workflow, put it into Visart, going out to the end user in that support organization. And that journey might actually take, you know, three, four years to build it up in a global bank. And this is where they will start adding AI into it as well. So, you know, start by hiring a, an automation architect that will bring a lot of value. Brilliant. And, and how can intelligent infrastructure offer similar flexibility and time to value to cloud infrastructure? And why should financial services providers be considering on-prem alternatives to cloud? Okay, Hannah, let, let me try to explain that one. I, we touched on it briefly in the beginning of this podcast here. There is a lot of critical workloads that is running in the bank that really needs high performance, low latency and higher wearability and being in control of, uh, of the data that you got. This is what we call the core banking systems. These systems cannot really run in, in public cloud. So, you know, for many banks, what we have seen is that they try to keep it as it is right now, but they also try to establish a new platform, which is hybrid cloud, multi-cloud, where they create new apps and new solutions that they can bring into cloud and take it back again. And this one is what we call, yeah, hybrid cloud solution. These platform really needs a programmable infrastructure where you can spin it up when you need it. And if you look at what we have had in the data center for many years, these platforms are beginning to be programmable and can support that hybrid cloud, multi-cloud environment going forward. So, you know, th this is where you, you basically start getting value. You need that platform to begin to use that public cloud for your apps going forward. Absolutely. And um, what role can metadata play in improving processes such as compliance? Yeah, I think we're shifting gear a little bit here. And now we're beginning to look at a job that, you know, all bank have, which is about being compliant. 
and, and what we are seeing is that object storage seems to be quite relevant for what we call unstructured data in a global bank, and especially for compliance officers. And the reason that object storage seems to be very interesting is that it has something called metadata. And let me give you an example. Um, the voice recording we're doing today, or the podcast we're doing today, is ending up like a file somewhere in, uh, in your organization. You will have very few attributes to that uh, podcast, when was it created, when was it last modified, you know, and, and stuff like that. What banks really need when they communicate with their customers is that they take that voice record, they save it, but they need to translate it into clear text and they need to add it to the file itself. By doing so, in object storage, you can do index and you can do search, which means that if you want to be right to be forgotten, a compliance officer or a person responsible for GDPR, he can go in and he can search for all the communication related to that client and it will pop up easily. And he can say, you know, here are all the voice recording that we have on you. And if you want us to delete it, we can document that we actually delete it. So we are clearly seeing that when we talk to compliance officers, you know, metadata seems to be extremely important delivering that compliance service uh, to the end user in that bank, or maybe even internal investigation or internal investigation of internal investigation, because these teams exist also in global banks, and they have a huge benefit on all that unstructured data from object storage and metadata. Fantastic. Um, well, thanks so much for helping me explore that, Tom. Um, it's been a really interesting discussion. Um, if you're listening to this on the FS Tech website and want to learn more about this topic, simply click on the links below on this podcast page. And if you'd like to learn more about Hitachi Vantara, just log on to www.hitachivantara.com. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech podcast.